This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Tom Fox. Tom is the author of the Compliance Handbook, second edition. Tom, it's great to have you with us. Taryn, I'm thrilled to be with you today. First off, congratulations on your, count them, 20th book. This is your 20th book, 2-0. Yep, I'm very proud of this one, too. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, well, first off, on a very basic level, a 101 level, for anyone not familiar, um, what is compliance? How, how do you define it to sort of uh, the average person who's never encountered it before? Compliance is when there's a law regulation and you literally have to comply with that generally with a business, and how do you set up a system and process and procedures to comply with that law? And that's what the Compliance Handbook second edition is about. Yeah. How is it different from the first edition? Why the rewrite or the update, so to speak? Well, uh, this book deals with a law, uh, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which is anti-corruption compliance. And uh, the first book was released in June of 2018, and thereafter, the Department of Justice and the Securities and Exchange Commission had some major updates uh, to the law and the way it was interpreted. Uh, also, we've had multiple innovations, particularly during uh, the uh, pandemic, that I wanted to incorporate. So there was about it's about 40% new from the first edition. Yeah, and you've touched upon something very interesting. Compliance is based upon the law on a basic level. So with laws constantly changing or, you know, evolving compl compliance and things that are written about it have to be updated. So would that explain why there's so many books that you've written on it? Well, I actually write on a wider variety of topics. Some go into the weeds on the technical side. Some are leadership, some are business ethics, some are yearly wrap-ups, some are specific cases. So there's an, a never-ending trail of things for me to write about in compliance. Yeah. Just curious, why, why are you so passionate about compliance? I mean, it's, um, it's not every day you meet someone who, who loves to write about it. Clearly you do. What, what is it about, about compliance that strikes a chord with you? Uh, the United Nations estimates that $3 trillion is lost annually to the international scourge of corruption. And when I was in the corporate world, when I learned about anti-corruption compliance, and when I came out of that world, in, I was a lawyer, so I went into private practice. I felt like that was an area that I could really make a difference. And anything I can do to help in that fight, and, and my role is to help corporations build uh, first-class best practices, compliance programs. Uh, I call myself the compliance evangelist because I think compliance not only helps companies comply with laws, but it makes them run on a business side more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. 
Yeah, I, I like the uh, compliance evangelist title. We'll get into that in just a second. But you, you mentioned a little bit about your background. Can you tell everybody, you mentioned you're a lawyer, but and you worked in corporate America. Can you, can you tell us, give us kind of a little taste of your professional background? Sure. So I'm a recovering trial lawyer from private practice. I went into the corporate world, and that's where I was exposed to compliance for the first time, complying with the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. I joined a company as a general counsel who had sustained a FCPA enforcement action, and I was part of the new management team that came on board to design, create, and implement a best practice compliance program. That's really where I learned about compliance. Uh, and that company was sold, and my job went away. And so I decided what I really wanted to do with my life was race bicycles. So I was 50. I can race in the senior division. I went off on this great adventure. And then uh, on one training ride, I was taken out by a Hummer and that ended my cycling career. So when I was uh, after convalescing, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I decided I love putting together uh, compliance programs. I love the nuts and bolts of that work. So I would just start a law practice focusing on that. This was 2010, and there were very few lawyers in private practice who did the nuts and bolts of a compliance program in-house. Lawyers usually uh, investigated violations or negotiated with the government. So I carved out space for myself as literally the nuts and bolts guy of designing, creating, and implementing a best practices compliance program. That, that's great. And, and you, you do a lot of podcasting as well on this, right? I do. I have my own network. Uh, I'm on the C-suite network. I have uh, 20 podcasts, oh, excuse me, 30 podcasts around compliance. And so I can slice and dice compliance any way you want to talk about it. Yeah, no, I, let me tell you, you know, nuts and bolts, when you open up this book, who knew there was so much about compliance to discuss? Um, it, it is so comprehensive. Um, but but who, is it, who is it for? You know, who in a, in, who in a corporation needs to be aware of the depth of compliance? Is it the C-suite? Is it HR, other executives? Tell us who, who the book is for. So the book is for a wide variety of readers, starting with compliance professionals, because I lay out how do you build a best practice compliance program and how do you enhance it going forward? But it's also for the C-suite. It's also for senior executives to really help educate them on not only the benefits of compliance, in other words, why it makes your corporation run better and more profitably, but also how you can uh, stay out of trouble. Yeah, and you write that um, effective compliance programs lead to a more efficient and profitable organization. Do you find that, that, that profits really uh, increase in your experience, people you've helped when compliance is, is on the right track and the way it's supposed to be? Uh, compliance has evolved since I began back in 2007, and now it's much more data-driven. And when you have data, then you can really improve business efficiency. The framework or actually the backbone of compliance is internal controls. And internal controls are financial controls. You don't call them compliance controls. You call them financial controls. But if you look at them from the compliance perspective and tweak them enough to have both controls for finance and compliance, that's where you can make a real headroom in uh, making a company run more efficiently, and that's what leads to greater profitability. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. 
because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. C-Suite Radio. Yeah. What do you think in your experience, Tom, um, most companies are doing wrong in terms of compliance? What, what are the mistakes they're making? The mistakes they're making are uh, people like me who are lawyers who are uh, being forced to look at data. We didn't learn about data in law school. Uh, we barely learned to add two and two. So we're getting mountains of data. But the problem for compliance professionals is, is they can't analyze that data and then they don't know how to use it going forward. That's evolved over the past five years or so. And it made a dramatic change during COVID-19 when you couldn't go inspect a place, uh, you couldn't go interview people, you couldn't do investigations in person. So you had to look much more closely at the data. At the same time, in June of 2020, the Department of Justice released an update on its evaluation of corporate compliance programs, and it said two key things. One, it said that compliance professionals and the chief compliance officer must have access to all of the company's data, not just compliance data, so across all of the silos of data. And then two, that that data had to be used uh, to monitor your compliance program and then take the information you get from that monitoring and loop it back into your program for continuous improvement. So the regulators have told us you have to have access to the data. Now you have to use it. And that's been a big driver. And then uh, with COVID going on and we had to go to data, it sort of all came together in the last year. Yeah. What prompted the change in that law? You said it was a June 2020? Uh, it was not a change in the law. It was change in the way that the Department of Justice uh, and the Securities and Exchange Commission had looked at uh, compliance programs to comply with that law. These concepts had been percolating around for a few years. Uh, why the DOJ gave released that information on June 1 on 2020, I don't know, but uh, they did and compliance professionals need to incorporate that into their compliance programs going forward. Tom, I'm curious, can you tell us how compliance has changed given the climate that we're in, the pandemic, COVID? I'd imagine things have, have changed immensely. Certainly, uh, compliance changed because our risks changed. And the two easiest ones were work from home and return to work. But coincidentally, in, on June 1 of 2020, the Department of Justice <clears throat> released uh, new guidance on best practices compliance programs. And in that guidance, for the first time, they specified that the corporate compliance function and the chief compliance officer had to have access to data across the entire company, not just compliance data, uh, but across every data silo. And more importantly, you had to use that data. You had to analyze that data, monitor that data, and then uh, I should say monitor then analyze the data. And from that data, you would use it to improve or enhance your compliance program. So that concept was uh, sort of in play in 2018 and 2019. Because of COVID, we couldn't do the normal things we did in person, investigations, training, uh, interviews, 
uh, document reviews. We had to do it virtually or online and using data. So data became more prevalent. Then when the regulators in the form of the Department of Justice said, yes, you have to do this, sort of everyone got on board. And that's really the direction, uh, biggest change in compliance over the past pandemic. Yeah. What every yeah, I mean, when you when you look ahead, kind of it seems that you know corporate compliance is more important than ever, based on what you've just said and and where we're headed. Um, I, I'm curious in, in your experience, is there some? I mean, are you are you constantly? Have you ever sort of changed your opinion on something? Um, you know, to me in my in my experience, because I'm I don't know much about compliance, but I would think that you know things are sort of you know they are it's the law, right? But have you ever been surprised by um, you know, a change in compliance due to a, a change in a regulation that with all of your experience really, you know, you were, you were surprised by and didn't expect from a legal perspective. I guess the thing that surprises me is the uh, stupid things companies and individuals do that, that get them in trouble. You might think that taking bags of cash across the border uh, to pay a bribe was, didn't happen anymore. Unfortunately, it still does. And we still have enforcement actions where millions of dollars are paid as bribes and companies get in trouble for that. So it's really the surprise is why we continue to see the same violations over and over when enforcement has been very robust for the past 15 years. Yeah. So what is your favorite part about covering this? I mean, when you when you write, set out to write a book like this, like I said, it go, it's so comprehensive. Um, do you have a favorite part, you know, a favorite topic specifically that you tackle? So probably my favorite parts now are uh, incorporating social media as a part of your compliance communications. So I tell compliance professionals that uh, your customers are your employees. And if you make that shift and think about, I'm not talking to an employee, I'm talking to a customer. Well, how do you sell to a customer? Uh, you use the same strategies that a social media expert uses. You use an internal Twitter function you use some type of uh, Zoom function, you might have an Instagram function, but those are all behind your own firewall. And then you have creative communications that are entertaining yet get a message across. So that's one. But the other thing is just the innovation that I see. And it's, it's business process innovation and bringing that to what was viewed as, as traditionally more of a legal type function. Uh, that's been uh, as much fun as anything for me. So what is your advice to someone starting a business? You know, where do they where do they begin in terms of making sure they're following the regulations of compliance? Is it based upon how big a company is? What if what if it's just, you know, you're an entrepreneur and it's just you at the moment? Um, you know, just sort of where do you start if you can sort of give that give that advice? Well, if you go back to the concepts that compliance controls are really financial controls. The more financial controls you have in a business, no matter how big or small it is, the more attractive you're going to be uh, for investors, the more attractive you're going to be for uh, shareholders, the more attractive you're going to be, frankly, as a customer or supply chain partner, because that tells people that you're committed to doing business in the right way. And if you put those four, uh, what I would call SOX 404 financial controls in place that every U.S. public company has to have, appropriate for your size organization, you can build out your compliance program quite easily from there, whether it's to attract private equity investment or to go public. Right. Yeah. A lot of, you know, I, I like the connection you make between compliance and profitability because I don't think people necessarily um, connect the two unless you're in the world of compliance. Um, Tom, tell, tell us what comes next. I mean, 
Do we do a, is there going to be a third edition when regulations change perhaps in a, in a couple of years? Are you writing other books? What's next? Well, I am writing other books, but I'm contractually obligated to deliver the publisher an update every year with 20% new material for the next five years. So for at least the next five years, we'll have updates to the compliance handbook. Yeah. And how, what is your process like with that? I mean, in terms of editing, right? What you want to put on paper and include in your books? Because I'd imagine it's, it's a massive amount of information and you're trying to make it digestible. When my daughter was seven, she wrote her first book. And I asked her, I said, how did you do that? She goes, dad, it's easy. You just sit down and write. Well, that's the basic message. I write every day. And it's not always on uh, something that's going to go in the book, but I blog every day. And that forms the basis of an update to my book. Yeah. Just curious in terms of methods of communication. Do you prefer the written word? Do you prefer writing over the podcasting? Do you enjoy both equally? So I'm a lawyer. Uh, I love reading and writing, uh, but I really love podcasting. And it's made me a much better compliance professional because I get to talk to the top minds in compliance for my podcast. So you love all your children the same, and it's probably the same for me. And where can we find that podcast? So uh, I have the Compliance Podcast Network. I'm on C-Suite Network, uh, and you can go to either of those sites. Wonderful. Well, uh, it's been an interesting conversation. You're scratching the surface on compliance because you really have to read the book if you're looking for a step-by-step process. And thanks for spending some time with us, Compliance Evangelist. It's a, it's a catchy name. Do you, re- you respond to that, right? <laughs> I do. And yeah. I am the Compliance Evangelist with a registered trademark. Ah, and it's registered. So there you go. Well, thank you again for your time, Tom. We look forward to uh, book 21 and your next podcast. Thank you. And if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website at csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbill. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-sweetradio.com.